Welcome to Ariana Answers. I'm Dr. Ariana Brandolini, a clinical psychologist who lives in New York City. Every week, I answer a life question submitted by a listener like you. In the third season of my podcast, I dive deep into cognitive distortions, also known as negative thought patterns. Our cognitive distortions have a significant impact on our mental health. We have the ability to rewire our brains by getting to the root cause of these negative thinking habits and instead build patterns of thinking that create joy. Each episode will have two parts, one where I break down the distortion and the other where I give you an exercise to help you overcome. Would you like your question answered? Head over to the description of this video to submit. Now, let's jump into this week's episode. Dear Dr. Ariana, I'm having a tough time with a coworker at my job. They're exhausting me, and I don't know how much more I can take. We're always on projects together, and the way they work is super frustrating. They pride themselves on getting things done and doing it quickly. While being fast is great, if you don't have attention to detail and the mistakes keep piling up, it's all for nothing. Quality trumps quantity, at least in my opinion. We're always up against tight deadlines, We can't afford to keep circling back to correct mistakes that could have been avoided if more care had been taken the first go-round. It's annoying. They're annoying. And I can't help but feel like they're weighing me down. With every mistake, I think less and less of them. And I don't want to do that. I hate to have unkind thoughts. And I really don't want to let workplace performance dictate how I view them personally. But they're making it very, very difficult for me not to be judgmental. What should I do? Judgments are inevitable. They are part of being human. They can be helpful in knowing what we like or dislike, what our values are, what is important to us. However, there comes a point where making judgments becomes being judgmental. And that is destructive for our own mental health and self-esteem. The difference is that positive opinions can be used to motivate for positive change. Being judgmental means being overly critical in an unhelpful and harmful way. Judgment focus is a cognitive distortion where the lens through which you see the world and yourself is one of constant evaluation and criticism. We judge all the time. We judge people that person's too fat or too skinny. They have a terrible haircut. They make bad choices and date losers. They drink too much and laugh too loud. They're bleeding heart liberal or cold-hearted conservative. They're boring or arrogant. We judge things. That's a nice car and that one's ugly. That's a beautiful home and that one's a dump. Sadness and anger are bad feelings. Happiness is a good feeling. We judge situations, being in debt, struggling financially, dealing with a lawsuit, being fired from a job is bad. Marriages are good, kids are good, family discord is bad. And we judge ourselves. I shouldn't feel this, I should do that. I can't believe I did that again. I'm a mess, I'm defective. Unhealthy judgmental behavior is rooted in various things and our sense of shame plays a key role. If we shame someone else first, then it deflects from our own insecurities and internal unhappiness, and even our own fears of being judged. Often, 
the more insecure we are, the more judgmental we can be about other people. When we judge others, we tend to draw from our own feelings, our own failings, and our own personal experiences. If we've been made to feel inferior, unvalued, unwanted, or disrespected in the past, we might turn around and display critical and demeaning behavior towards other people. Do you feel like your thoughts are often spiraling and hard to control? Is it hard to stop thinking negatively about your life? I get it. And I've helped many people like you recognize and overcome negative thought patterns, which allowed them to thrive. To help you in this process, I've developed a program called Power Thoughts. This program helps you understand how thoughts physically change your brain and then equips you with the tools to rewire your thinking. To find out more, click the link in my podcast description. The reason why judgment focus is a cognitive distortion is that in reality, the world around us and everything in it is completely neutral. Things simply are what they are. Good or bad doesn't actually exist in the natural order of things. It's all about how we evaluate them. When we judge things, we put a subjective evaluation on them based on preferences, our insecurities, our issues, our backgrounds, very quickly and without even realizing. Why? Carl Jung said, thinking is difficult. That's why people judge. Judgments are made very quickly because it's helpful for survival. You can't spend too much time thinking about whether this person coming towards you with a gun is trustworthy. You just simply have to react because it can cost you your life. The non-conscious level of your brain is where 90 to 99% of your, the action in your mind is. This level operates at about 400 billion actions per second and drives our conscious minds. Our conscious mind is where around 10% of our mind action is and it operates at about 2,000 actions per second. So it's slower and more controlled than the non-conscious, but it's still super fast. Our conscious cognitive level turns all of these underlying drives into actions that we see in our behaviors and in what we do and say. When these underlying automatic negative patterns of judgment thoughts reach our cognitive level, we feel and act out of that place of negativity over and over again as these pathways get activated. Your brain is doing so many different things at any given moment that it becomes a cognitive miser, meaning we only have a finite amount of cognitive or thinking space, and so we don't have a lot of energy and time to think about things if we don't have to. Snap judgments of ourselves and other people are easy shortcuts for our brains to make. Researchers have shown that we make up our minds about any given person or situation in three to seven seconds. Coming from a judgment focus may be inherently easy and fairly automatic, but unless we're in a life and death situation, it's completely counterproductive and deeply affecting of our own mental health. Because when we judge, we essentially divide ourselves and the world around us. Do you find this information helpful? Is there a certain topic you'd like us to cover? Leave us a comment and review about what you'd like to hear. 
living with a judgment focus separates us. It separates us from each other as well as from ourselves. It pits things against each other because with judgment, we determine that something is good or bad in comparison to something else. So when we judge someone, we make them into an other. They're different from me because they don't share my values or they think differently about the world or they don't have what I think is good or right behavior or whatever else. Usually, those who've been raised in homes with a great deal of judgment and criticism internalize that kind of perspective as their own. When caregivers judge or mock or berate, it's likely that we will develop similar cognitive habits and patterns. Or we had caregivers who really valued performance or appearances and tried to motivate with criticism rather than encouragement. Kids learn to mimic what they hear and that often carries well into adulthood. Judgment focus is especially painful when it's directed towards ourselves. One of the biggest problems with harsh self-judgments is that it tends to amplify the painful and hard feelings that we're already feeling, and it makes us feel isolated and cut off from others. When we fail or when we feel inadequate in some way, we irrationally feel like everybody else is just fine and it's just me who's a hopeless loser. This creates a frightening sense of disconnection and loneliness that greatly increases our suffering. And judgment focus is a particularly nasty cognitive distortion because the thing is, judgment is subjective, not truth. When we're overly critical, it's unhelpful because it gets in the way of problem solving. It affects relationships and it worsens our self-esteem and happiness. As I said before, it positions things in relation in comparison to others. And so we miss what's right in front of us or we don't make any space for new, helpful, and maybe amazing perspectives because we've already judged that thing. Judgment focus severely impacts our ability to be happy, satisfied, and content. I mean, we all know these people, right? People who are never happy, always criticizing, whether it's the weather, or their work, or their kids, or their friends, or their coworkers. These people are absolutely no fun and are exhausting to be around. And that's because happiness and contentment means being fully present and appreciative and alive to whatever situation you're in, whether it's receiving a gift or time with loved ones or even just going for a walk. When we judge something, we distance ourselves from it in order to evaluate and label it. And the problem is, if we distance ourselves from the present moment to judge, we will always be dissatisfied. For example, say you go buy a new car. In finding the car you like, you decide which cars are good and which cars are bad. You get a car that you think is great, and in the moment, you might be happy. But then suddenly, you see another car, and that one's prettier. And then you compare your car to it and say, oh, that car is better than my car. So now your car becomes a bad car, and that car becomes a good car. Okay, so you trade in your car for the other one that you saw, and momentarily, you're back to being happy. But then suddenly, a new model comes out with new features and new upgrades, and suddenly, you're back to being discontent because, wait, now that car is better than my car. This is how judgment focus can keep us in cycles of perpetual discontent. Now picture someone who has a pretty shabby car, but 
As they're driving, they roll down the windows, feel the sun on their face, the wind in their hair, they turn on the radio and think to themselves, wow, what a gift it is that I have a functioning car. It feels really good to drive. How amazing that I can get from one place to another in a really short amount of time. I'm really loving this experience right now. One might have a better car, but who do you think is the happier driver? The philosopher Jiddu Krishnamurti said, the ability to observe without evaluating is the highest form of intelligence. The antidote for judgment is observation. So how do you cultivate an observing mind? Meditation and mindfulness. Mindfulness is bringing your full attention and awareness to a current experience without judgment. And one of the most common practices of guided meditation is to act on this observation process. Observe your thoughts and gently let them go. When you take the time to practice your mindfulness and observation skills, even for just 10 minutes a day, research shows that it becomes a life skill that you can harness in moments when you need them most. Remember, judgment is inevitable. So when you judge, and you become mindful of it, practice observing your judgments without judgment. When it happens, you can say to yourself, I'm judging this person due to a past experience or because I have a preconception. I may be right or wrong. There is no need for a conclusion. I can actually just let it be. Detach yourself from the judgment. You don't need to have an opinion about everything happening around you. Better yet, you can take a step beyond and give someone the benefit of the doubt for your own peace of mind. And then take it as a growth moment. Use your judgment of others or yourself as a cue to check in with your own self and your thought process and say, okay, am I feeling insecure about something? Am I uncertain about where I fit in? Or am I afraid of not belonging? Do I need to develop something in me? In that way, you are harnessing the negative energy of judgment and turning it into positive change. As we often do, let's start today's exercise by finding a quiet place where you won't be disturbed for a few minutes. Let's focus on calming the body. Find a comfortable position to sit in, your hands in your lap and close your eyes. Start to pay attention to your breath. Inhale deeply through your nose, then exhale through your mouth until your lungs are empty. Deep inhales followed by long exhales have a direct effect on the brain and body circuits that induce calm. So once again, inhale deeply through your nose then exhale through the mouth until your lungs are empty. And one more time. Inhale deeply through the nose. And exhale until your lungs are empty. Sense the contact of your body with a surface you're lying down or sitting on. Now direct your attention to your breath for the duration of three breaths and just breathe however feels natural.
Now, direct your attention to any sounds in your environment. Focus on the most distant sound that you can hear. Let your sense of hearing radiate outward, searching out these distant sounds and following them for a few moments. Move your attention from sound to sound. Gradually bring your attention to closer sounds. Sounds inside the building you're in. To sounds inside the room that you're in. Without opening your eyes, imagine the four walls of the room that you're in, the ceiling, the floor, the surface your body is sitting or lying down on. Visualize your body as it is, your clothes, your face. Be aware of the existence of your physical body as it lies or sits. Become aware of your breath. How it moves in and out of your body without any effort. Feeling of air as it fills and exits your lungs. Do a long inhale, followed by a long exhale. Allow your breaths to become longer and slower. And continue breathing in this way. I want to tell you a story about a farmer. Farmer and his son had a beloved horse who helped the family earn a living. One day the horse ran away and their neighbors exclaimed, your horse ran away, what terrible luck. The farmer replied, maybe so, maybe not. A few days later, the horse returned home leading a few wild horses back to the farm as well. The neighbors shouted out, your horse has returned and brought several horses home with him. What great luck. The farmer replied, maybe so, maybe not. Later that week, the farmer's son was trying to ride one of the horses and she threw him to the ground, breaking his leg. The neighbors cried, your son broke his leg, what terrible luck. The farmer replied, maybe so, maybe not. A few weeks later, soldiers from the National Army marched through town recruiting all the boys. They did not take the farmer's son because he had a broken leg. 
The neighbor shouted, your boy is spared, what tremendous luck. To which the farmer replied, maybe so, maybe not, we shall see. Ponder this, it is impossible to tell whether anything that happens is good or bad. You never know what the consequences of misfortune or good fortune will be, as only time will tell the whole story. Things may look great at the start, but over time, it may not become what you imagined it to be. And similarly, you may feel bad about something, but someday it could be one of the best things that happened to you. Everything changes. The universe, our circumstances, we are ever changing. There is no room for or point of judgment, for nothing is truly black and white. And this is why living a mindful life is so freeing, to be able to forget the sorrows of our past and not worry about the uncertainty of the future. It's to be able to be truly in the present and see life not as good or bad, but just as it is. And so I wonder, did the story of the farmer do anything for you? Maybe so, maybe not. You'll see. <laughs>